Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and I am back from Miami. A great week covering the Super Bowl. Want to jump on and do one more podcast, then we'll, then we'll you know take a little time off, a couple weeks, and, unless the Bears have some news, and sift through the offseason and start looking for some some guests as we start gearing up. We've got the Combine right around the corner. We've got NFL free agency. It's going to be here in just over a month. Can't wait for that. See what the Bears do there. We'll have some contract extensions, I'm sure. We'll have some free agent signings. The Bears are going to have an active offseason. I'm confident about that. So we'll have plenty to get to over the next few months. But today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, a little bit about the news, uh, you know, minor news the Bears have had here the last week or so. And we're going to have EJ Snyder on, Windy City Gridiron draft expert, among other things. He was at the Senior Bowl, so we'll get his take on what he saw down there. Kind of focus on those Bears' second-round picks for the most part. No point to sit there and kind of project who might be available in the fourth round at 10 different positions. So lots to get to with EJ. But before we do, Super Bowl was a fun game, entertaining game for me. I was, I was, I really enjoyed it. And I went to Syracuse. I was there at the time that McNabb was there. So obviously the Bears have always been my team. But, you know, for, for a while there, for maybe about a decade or so, the Eagles kind of became a secondary team for me for a while because I always was pulling for Donovan McNabb. And in doing so, I, I became a fan of Andy Reid. And everything, obviously, Nagy comes from that Reed tree. So I always always had a soft spot for Andy Reed. I'm excited that Andy Reed finally got that Super Bowl championship. I was kind of thinking about this and talking to some people about this. To me, Andy Reed has a chance now to really give himself a special career. And what I mean by that is think about John Elway. John Elway, obviously a Hall of Famer. In the mid-90s, when Elway's career was starting to wind down, he was a Hall of Famer. But he had that label of not being able to win the big one. And what did he do? Mike Shanahan and him win two Super Bowls and he goes out on top. And he gets elevated from a Hall of Fame quarterback to an elite, probably top five quarterback of all time because he needed those championships. Andy Reid was kind of the same situation as as, as Elway. He was a Hall of Fame coach. Everyone knew he was going to make the Hall of Fame. And now that he's got... That one, it cemented his his legacy. But, I mean, he's got over 220 wins. He's got a chance here, assuming he wants to coach another five, six, seven, eight years, which he will be able to do with Patrick Mahomes. 
he could get himself up into the the Tom Landry range, you know, upper 200s in terms of wins. I mean, he's not going to catch Shula. He's not going to catch Hallis. He won't catch Belichick. But he's going to be top five all-time in wins. And with Mahomes at quarterback, he could win two or three titles. I mean, if he ends up with, I don't know, 270 career wins, 280 career wins, that's not out of the realm of possibility, and wins two or three titles, he is going to be in rarefied air. He is going to be not just a top 10 coach of all time, he's going to be a top five coach of all time, maybe a top three coach of all time. He will have that kind of level of accomplishment. You know, McNabb was a good quarterback, but Andy Reid never had an elite quarterback. He's got one now. He's winning divisions constantly. He's He was, you know, a penalty away from the Super Bowl last year. He's Super Bowl champions this year. So him and Mahomes have a chance to do something really special. And Andy Reid really could make a special career for himself over the, la- over the next five, six years here with Patrick Mahomes. And, and I didn't want to watch that game as a bitter Bears fan about the Patrick Mahomes-Mitch Trubisky thing. The quarterback position for the Bears at this point is what it is. They didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. They weren't ever really probably going to at the second or third pick. So... I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, just beat my head over and over again, complaining that the Bears don't have Patrick Mahomes. Now, I, I saw a funny tweet that basically the bill has come due from when the Portland Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan and took Sam Bowie, giving the Bulls Jordan. I, I, I kind of like that. It kind of makes a lot of sense because that's exactly what this Mitch Trubisky, Pat Mahomes thing is going to look like long term. That's that's for sure. So great Super Bowl. I'm happy for the Chiefs, and I'm sitting here. I'm certainly not going to be bitter bitter as a Bears fan. couple things on the Bears, though, before we get to EJ. First thing I want to bring up is, is the Trey Roberson deal, the CFL corner from Calgary that they, they signed for a couple of years. I like this move. I think this is an interesting move. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm a Trey Roberson expert and that I watch CFL games and, and break down film. But there were 10 teams in the NFL clamoring for this guy. He picked the Bears. That's a good spot. And what I think the Bears are probably looking at doing, when you look at their cornerbacks on the roster right now, I think they're going to try and cut back on cornerback cost and, and kind of maneuver with what they have. So, so what I mean here is I think Prince of Mukamara, especially after this signing, I think he's gone. Now, usually teams carry six corners on the team, if Prince is released to save that money on the salary cap, you're going to have, obviously, Kyle Fuller. You're going to have Buster Screen. You're going to have Duke Shelley, six-round pick from last year. You'll have Kevin Tolliver and, of course, Trey Roberson. That's five cornerback spots. That only leaves one spot open. They could, you know, just sign a, a replacement-level guy, a, a, a practice squad-type level player that can get elevated to that six-corner spot. They could do a cheap veteran move, but I don't see them making a huge splash at corner in, in free agency. Maybe they'll draft a, a developmental guy in the in the sixth round or something like that with all those late picks they have. So be curious to see what they do there here. But what I'm seeing the Bears is kind of creating an open competition at a couple positions in the... Uh, in in training camp coming up. Obviously, you're going to put Kyle Fuller in there. Lock him in. Buster Screen is going to be starting, whether that be outside a corner, if they want to put Duke Shelley in there in the starting nickel roll, or keep Screen on the inside and have Roberson and Tolliver competing for that outside spot. So they've got a little flexibility there with Screen and some of these young players. So I think the Bears are going to try and piece together a secondary a little bit differently than we've seen without Prince. I don't think 
they are flat replacing Prince. I think they are going to make an open competition. I would assume it's going to end up being between Roberson and Tolliver for that outside slot. Maybe you'll see Shelly get some more snaps. We'll see. But I think that's what the Bears are going to do in the secondary. You know, that may not sound very exciting, but the Bears need to focus their free agency dollars on the offensive side of the football. The Bears should not be focused on drafting to fix the offense. Obviously, they need to do that as well, but they need to sign a right guard. They need to sign a tight end. They need to sign a quarterback better than Chase Daniel, which is going to cost them over $10 million. So the Bears, not a, not a ton of cap space. Now they could give out... Uh, Allen Robinson an extension. They could rework some money on, on Mac or Leno's deal again. There's, there's things they can do to create some space. But if they're going to fix the offense, giving Prince of Kamara $8 million is not the right move to make. So the Bears are going to have to save a little money on defense so they can spend money on offense. And I, I see that's how they're going to do it at cornerback. And speaking of, of the quarterback position, as we know, the Bears have to bring in one or two new quarterbacks uh, to play along with Mitch Trubisky. Look, you take this for what it's worth. You know, I, who, who am I to say something like this? But li in Miami, when you're covering the Super Bowl, you're around a lot of media from a lot of different teams, a lot of different parts of the country, and, and everyone talks. So while, while everyone's kind of talking, it's a very loose atmosphere, and you hear some things, and you can ask questions, and you get some honest, you know, not official answers, not an answer that a, a beat writer or, or a, an NFL executive type would say in an interview, in an official capacity. And I'm going to be honest. I hear a lot of smoke around the Chicago Bears and some people, particularly one person in the Bears front office, coaching staff, whatever you might want to call it, a person of prominence with the Chicago Bears that is sour on Mitch Trubisky. I'm not going to get into specifics. You can speculate all you want. If you if you dig around from some from some Miami stories, you can probably figure out who that is because I can tell you any of those Miami stories you might have heard, whether they be on radio or you read a blog or whatever it might be, and I'll just leave it generic because I don't want to spread any quote-unquote rumors. But if you know what I'm talking about, I can confirm that that happened. I can confirm that is 100% true. And I understand how vague that is, but I don't want to sit here and start, you know, making claims about Trubisky and his relationship with certain guys on the Bears. So I'm going to leave everything vague. But I will say this. There is a lot of smoke. So either one of two things are going to happen. Either the Bears are going to bring in some firm competition for Trubisky or someone who's going to supplant Trubisky as the starter. Or there is going to be a little tension within the, the, the Bears organization about the quarterback position. So that is going to be something very interesting to keep an eye on. We'll keep it vague for now. I hate to do something like that, but like I said, uh, things things could get interesting in Chicago this offseason. Very curious to see what they're going to do. Let's stop it right there. Let's take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, EJ Snyder from Windy City Gridiron, he's joining us next. We got plenty to dive into with EJ. Stick around. It's Bears banter. We'll Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Be right back. All right. Well, here he is, as promised, our guest today, EJ Snyder. He's at the Draftsman FB on Twitter. If you're not following him, you're not doing Bears Twitter correctly. He was at the Senior Bowl, really good scout in my eyes and a really good football mind. Had a few things I want to dive into with EJ, and he joins us now. EJ, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? I'm really well. How are you, Bill? Uh, I'm doing very well. So plenty to get to with the Bears, but before... I do that, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention the Super Bowl being that it was just played here, you know, a couple days ago. So your, your reaction as a, as a guy who covers the Bears, a Bears fan, watching Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl, was there any bitterness there or did you just enjoy the greatness? Uh, I was thrilled for Patrick. As a scout, I'm a fan of players uh, before they hit the league, so I don't really have that team orientation attached to them. You know, would I like Patrick Mahomes on the Bears? I, I would love Patrick Mahomes, the player we see now that's studied under Andy Reid, but I'm not so sure that I would have liked the Patrick Mahomes that Dowell Loggins would have produced uh, back when he was drafted. So it was great to watch him. Uh, transcendent talent. Looking forward to watching him for a lot of years. What is your thoughts on Andy Reid? Because he was always had this label of the, the coach who can't win the big one. But now that he's got one under his belt, I've been talking to some people, and, and I said this uh, just prior on the podcast. To me, he may have the potential here to have a John Elway-type projection who you know won those two Super Bowls at the end of his career, which put him from a Hall of Fame QB to a you know elite, maybe top five all-time QB. If Reed wins two more Super Bowls, one or two more Super Bowls with Mahomes, you know, he's going to end up, he wants to coach for a while. He's going to end up 270, 280 career wins. That's going to put him, you know, fourth all time on the on the wins list with three titles. That's going to put him in rarefied air, and he could go down if he wins a couple more as one of the great coaches of all time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Reed has a tremendous coaching legacy. We talk about the Andy Reed coaching tree and the impact he's had, the people he's worked with. Uh, the teams where he's had success, the big knock was always couldn't win the big game. Now he's done that. I think people are going to look back on his legacy, his history, his record in a very different light. And I think that's a good thing because Andy Reid's a really good football coach. And speaking of coaching, let me just get one more thing here on the Super Bowl. Fourth quarter, Kyle Shanahan is getting plenty of heat. And I think part of that is due to what happened when he was the offense coordinator of the Falcons a couple years ago, blowing that huge lead with the Patriots. But... Look, he did, you know, he did do a couple of questionable things. The end of the first half, you know, he sat on the ball and, and before and it was basically too late once they moved the ball a little bit. You know, he did pass the ball. He had a, first, a second and five. He passed the ball twice, stopping the clock, giving Mahomes a little bit more time. 
Did you have any issues with the way Kyle Shanahan managed this football game? Well, me calling out Kyle Shanahan for coaching decisions is uh, its not the greatest thing. I think Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the smartest football coaches going in the NFL, and I think that probably goes by a wide margin. Did he make some decisions that from the outside look pretty questionable? He did. It definitely connects to his time in, his, in Atlanta when they blew the big lead against the Patriots. But let's be honest, Kyle Shanahan's going to be in big games with the 49ers for a long time. They've assembled some great talent, and he worked that talent masterfully throughout the season. Um, it's funny. I thought directly about what you said about Reed, and I wonder if that hasn't started to transfer to Shanahan a little bit. Right, He's a brilliant coach. He does great during the regular season, but mm, can't win that big game. I wonder if Shanny's going to start to pick up that label a little bit now that Andy Reid shed it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, if he has well, – I know offensive coordinator, you know, he doesn't have the full grasp of everything. It wasn't completely his fault, but, you know, he is another – questionable playoff loss that that absolutely could be uh, could be something that gets labeled as but let, let's move off that let's move into the bears and and some senior bowl stuff here because obviously you were down there in mobile you know got got a, an experience down there first kind of give me your overall feel and, and how you how the senior bowl went for you and what the experience was, was like for you personally yeah the senior bowl was great i can't thank Jim Nagy and his staff enough for reaching out and, and asking if we wanted to come down uh, to my editor at Windy City, Lester Wilfong, for, for asking me if I wanted to go. It's I've always followed the event very closely as a draft analyst and the chance to go immerse myself in it for a week, experience Mobile, meet the players, just the whole sort of spectacle. There's a thousand people from the NFL in town all week. It's a tremendous experience, and uh, I learned a ton, made a lot of contacts, uh, saw a lot of good football played. So overall, it was just tremendous, and and I had a great time. Well, yeah, and I, I, it's it's one of the few events I've actually, you know, I've been fortunate to cover a lot of different things at, with with my full time job. I've actually never made it to the Senior Bowl. That is definitely, it's I don't want to call it a bucket list, but it is definitely high up on on the priority list for me. I'd, I'd love to get down there. But yeah, I would say don't skip it if you get the chance or even I would say make the chance because it's the thing that struck me is we do all this draft prep, right? The draft prep industry and analyzation and everything is just so massive. This is the only time throughout the entire process after college football stops that these guys go against each other live. Other than that, it's all drills, all shells, all versus air. And that makes the Senior Bowl truly unique. Yeah, it's an interesting point. hadn't hadn't really thought about it that way. So, um, well, let me let me dive into some prospects with you. I know the Bears are in a bit of a, a weird situation without the first round pick, but they do have two seconds at least presently, unless they decide to do something prior to the draft. So that opens up the door for some some high level talent. But before I kind of focus on picks with the the second round picks. I don't think the Bears are going to spend a second-round pick on a quarterback because, to me, that would that would uh, signal that the entire organization is out on Trubisky. I don't think the organization is there yet, although I do think there's some teetering by some people in high places. But when I look at the quarterback position, I could potentially see the Bears, you know, taking – Maybe if assuming they get the fourth round comp or, you know, those six, seven, I could see them making a flyer maybe on a, a young kind of a long shot, I guess, in, in hopes that maybe they get a Gardner Minshew. Who would be some of the quarterbacks available 
in probably the fourth round or later that you sit there as an analyst and say that's someone who could fit what the Bears need and could potentially have an NFL career? Yeah. From the guys at the Senior Bowl, I don't think anybody really fits that. It's possible the guy I went in with hopes to watch was Anthony Gordon. That's that's State. that's where this was going. <laughs> yep, Minshew's successor. I call him Minshew Light, um, and I don't necessarily think that's a great thing. Gardner Minshew came on with a with a you know just a tremendous burst to the NFL scene. Really tore it up for a while until everybody got tape on him, and then you know his weaknesses started to get um, played against him, just like all quarterbacks do. Gordon is very much the same way. He's a guy with, uh, I would say, pretty good decision-making. He's got a very quick trigger, very quick release. His accuracy is pretty good. My problem with Gordon is he doesn't have a great arm. And uh, people say arm strength is very overrated. It is, especially when it's not hooked to all those other things. But when you don't have it, there is a minimum. There is a shelf. And uh, Tuesday, the first day of outside practice at the Senior Bowl, it was windy and cold. And you'd figure that's something that somebody from Washington State is used to. Uh, Gordon didn't do well against the wind. And he had a pretty good week. Um, he made some really interesting uh, off-platform, off-balance throws, which is a, a Minshew staple. So he's got some talent, but the arm strength really worries me with Gordon. So if the Bears did make that move – you would not have any more hopes than probably a career backup for an Anthony Gordon. There's always the chance that he meshes with the system, that Nagy lights him up, that he understands his role as a distributor. That's what he did for Mike Leach at Washington State. And, you know, guys' arms do get stronger. Drew Brees' arms got stronger when he got to the league. There's a lot of guys that their arms do get a little bit stronger. If he truly accepts that kind of point guard role, I could see him growing into an Alex Smith type role. Um, but it's all about situation where he lands and how hard he works on both the mental side and the physical side. He's got a head start on the mental side, I think. But he's he's going to have to he's going to have to get a little bit bigger first. He's he's right about 200 pounds and and not what I would call a really solid guy. Um, but he's got to work on that arm strength. And, you know, it's possible in the right system. We saw Gardner Minshew, who I had very similar uh, sort of hopes for coming out of college, just absolutely, you know, electrify the NFL for about a quarter uh, of the season. So it's possible if he lands in the right spot, but I, I wouldn't put uh, folding money on it in Vegas, put it that way. All right, f- fair enough. Now, if, if I went to focus on the second round, first let, let, let's look at it at generally. The Bears obviously – have some depth needs, and have some straight position needs. Tight end is one that obviously jumps out. They still have a hole sitting there at at right guard. Maybe there's an interior offensive line position. Look, I never say, and I don't think Ryan Pace does, let's focus on a position because that's how you end up missing on good talent when you stretch to draft a position. You know, maybe an edge, a, a potential Leonard Floyd replacement. There's a lot of different ways the Bears could go. So let me let me pose it this way. Is there enough depth at certain positions where the Bears could be getting, with those second-round picks, potential players that really could step in and be year-one starters? I think there is. And one of the things I learned in Mobile uh, was the tight end class is deeper than I thought it was. There were always some stars at the top. Some of those guys were there. 
Uh, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue is generally projected as the top, if not one of the top two tight ends in the draft. He was there, got to see him. But what I saw was more talent from guys down the board, Um, guys like Sean McCune from Michigan that is more two-way than I thought he was. Uh, Harbaugh used him simply as a blocker. He showed he'd slim down a little bit. He showed that he can catch the ball very well in Mobile. So got to go back and take a look at a guy like Sean McCune. Um, that sounds a little bit familiar, right? Big Ten tight end, didn't catch a lot of balls in college, comes into the league, and um, people underestimated how good a pass catcher he was. I'm not saying uh, <laughs> that he's Kittle. But Sean McEwen showed you know, definitely more in one side of his game than he did in college, and that happens fairly often. But um, Adam Troutman from Dayton is fully 6'5", 251, told me that he's probably going to hit the combine about 257, moves like a wide receiver, uh, was was brought in, recruited as a quarterback, so he's really smart. He's an engineering student. Um, great physical skills. Um, uh, Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati looked really good. Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic looked really good. So Bears could get a talent, maybe not even in the second, but um, possibly later on down. I can see them trading one of those second-round picks to pick up an extra a pick in the third that they don't currently have, something like that. So tight end is a place that they could actually pick a little bit later uh, if they don't choose, again, to slot in a roll to a round, which I'm with you. I think that's a terrible idea. But there's some talent there. On the interior offensive line, yeah, I think you can get guys who start. Um, traditionally, the league's seen starters come out of the third round and later in the interior offensive line at center and guard. So there's guys there that definitely fit that bill. Um, you know, other positions that the Bears, quote-unquote, don't need are incredibly deep this year. Wide receiver is probably one of the deepest classes, if not the deepest class I've ever seen. There are guys that are going to go in the third and fourth round that have starting potential. There are just so many wow. talented wide receivers. So there's just too many of them, right? Not everybody needs a wide receiver, and, and you go through the first couple of rounds, and there are positions that are a little more scarce, like edge. There's not as much there. It's not as deep which isn't great news for the Bears, but it's fine. There's talent there, and and you can get talent from other places as well. So the Bears are in an interesting spot, and because of the depth at certain positions that they do need, I could see them trading one of those second-round picks and picking up picks later on down, extra picks. Well, you you brought – let me just do one more on the tight ends because you brought up Adam Troutman, who, you know, that was – in terms of following Senior Bowl on social media, he was one of the guys that really – just jumped on, on social media and everyone was tweeting about this guy and how impressive he looked and 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 I think he really wowed some people but I I did see a lot of Bears fans who who understand the need for a tight end and how honestly a desperate need for the Bears to rework the tight end position but I kept seeing a lot of people scream oh no we, you know Dayton we, we don't need another Adam Shaheen which I understand the the uh the the damage that maybe Adam Shaheen as a second round pick did but you know to to be fair it, it's very unfair to say because one small small college prospect didn't pan out that another one's not going to pan out as well you can't you can't link anything together no but bears fans will and they do and i completely understand it the troutman pick um uh, was not my favorite or uh, sorry not the troutman pick the shaheen pick at the time was not my favorite uh, Adam Shaheen was all about potential. He was incredibly raw. He was all about his physical size, his ability um, to do certain things, not necessarily on the football field, and a projection to what he could be. Troutman is a much more polished player. He is deceptively big. 
he just doesn't, I don't know, it's hard to describe. He doesn't look like it, but I specifically went to weigh in just so I could see him get weighed and measured. And he is fully 6'5", 251. I talked to him right after that at the media session. Then he said, yeah, I lightened up a little bit to come down here. I've been training really hard on all my movement drills, and I'll probably roll into the combine at, he said, you know, 257, 259 pretty easily. That's pretty impressive, and he moves like a wide receiver with the ball in his hands already. It's not a projection. He does that on film. So I understand the another tight end named Adam from a small school <laughs> and people feeling upset about that, but please don't label Troutman in the Shaheen category. He is a much more advanced football player at this point in his career. What about Hopkins, who who comes from an NFL family? Is His father, Brad, played played in the NFL several years. You know, a lot of people like him as, as tight end one in this draft, but, you know, the tight end position also, those, those top tight ends could fall all the way into the second round, especially based on a lot of early mocks I've seen. The one thing I saw about Hopkins was that he may have, have, have measured a little smaller than people expected. Is, is that true, and would that alarm you at all if the Bears were to select him in the second round? Uh, I like Bryson Hopkins' game. It was fun to watch him at the Senior Bowl. I think he had the week that mostly he needed to have to sort of keep that standing. He came in as one of the top dogs at the tight end position, and he certainly left that way as well. Uh, he may have measured a little bit shorter than people wanted or, or would like. It's always great when a guy picks up an inch because usually college colleges pad uh, both height and weight stats. Um, but he's incredibly well built. He moves very, very well. He catches the ball really well. His routes are pretty solid. I have some concern on his blocking. It's not that he can't block. Uh, it's just that it's not his strength. And again, as a move TE that role is changing. You don't need to be super tall. We've seen a bunch of guys like Evan Ingram succeed uh, who aren't great blockers, who move very well and are a little bit shorter. So the model is out there for a guy like Bryson Hopkins to succeed in the right role. A lot of people, because he does have that top billing at tight end, just want to say that he's good at everything, right? He's just alpha at everything. And he's not a great blocker, which is a little surprising coming out of Purdue, but that program's changed and they've gone much more to the past. So it's it's not... You know, it's not out of character. But Hopkins, well-rounded player. If the Bears ended up picking him in the second, they'd be getting a pretty good value. Uh, certainly fits that need, that role that you mentioned earlier, which I think is a huge lacking in Nagy's offense. And I don't think people understand how not having a, a good, solid player in that role, like a healthy Trey Burton, really hamstrung the Bears offense last year. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely something that they, I think that's going to be their focal point that then, and I, I do think they're going to focus on bringing in a veteran quarterback, not a Chase Daniel type, someone better than that. But but I think that's a position I think they're going to attack multiple ways. I think they are definitely going to draft someone in that second round, you know, maybe later. You know, obviously you got to get a late someone like that. And you said, you know, there's some guys that could be available late at the tight end spot. And I think they are 100% going to sign or trade for a, a tight end as well. I think we're going to see at least two new faces at that position. Yeah, they can't afford not to have those roles filled, and I mean filled by somebody that's going to give production. They had a ton of guys this year. They had young guys that flashed, uh, guys that were more established and more well-paid that didn't really produce, and the end result was that middle-of-the-field stretching role that we've seen used so well. We saw it in the Super Bowl, right? Travis Kelsey. That role is super important in that offense, and without it filled, the Bears stumbled this year.
Yeah, that was that was a definite problem. So let let me ask you whether you can verify or reject a, a theory of mine, and it, it, it's involving Leonard Floyd and, and the edge position because there's a lot of talk about the Bears if they'll rescind Floyd's fifth year option because it's pricey. Do they try and extend him to drop that 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 uh, cap hit number? So there, there's questions there. And look, I hate just you know getting rid of a player just so you can create a hole and have to worry about filling it in free agency with a replacement level player that could be just as expensive or an unproven guy in the draft, especially where they are sitting. To me, if you're going to go edge in the draft, I'm not a fan of drafting edges late. I, I just, and look, I don't have any numbers to back this up. This is more just a theory of mine that, you know, you can take a flyer on certain positions late, obviously running back and wide receivers and, and certain things like that, maybe a defensive back, and, and they can they you, you can find fifth, sixth rounders who eventually become quality NFL starters. To me, the edge position, if you're not drafting an edge in maybe the top 50, the the odds of that player becoming a solid starter for your team drop immensely. Would you say that is true about that position in general or no? I would say it is. If you're not looking for a specialist, if you're not looking for a rush specialist, a third down specialist, um, what we used to call nickel specialist, but nickel is now base. If you're looking for that alpha, the guy that's going to be on the field for the majority of the downs your football team plays at edge, the draft says numbers wise, that player comes from the first or second round. And so if the Bears do draft an edge, and let's say they take, you know, if they keep one of their second round picks and use one of them on an edge, are there a couple guys that you see in that, you know, 30 to 50 range that the Bears could potentially get? Anyone you saw at the Senior Bowl that you said, you know what, that, that guy has some potential and isn't going to be going in the top 15 of the draft? I think potential was the name of the game. Bradley and I from Utah was the guy that stole the stage at the Senior Bowl game itself. Um, I'd watched him on film before I got there. The the cool thing about Anai is that he's got a wider range or repertoire of moves than most pass rushers do at his age. He's more developed. He's got three, possibly four good moves that he can go to, and he uses them in a decent rotation. That's just like a pitcher that has four pitches, right, that the hitter doesn't know what's coming as much. That really helps him out. He plays hard. That Utah defense is extremely physical. So he's a guy that most people are looking at. I would imagine he probably sneaks into the end uh, or the very beginning of the second round um, just because of the limited talent out there. But a guy that I was really looking forward to, um, and I'm going to look it up so I get his name right, uh, Notre Dame edge rusher, I want to say Khalid Kareem. Um, he was originally scheduled to be at the Senior Bowl, but uh, – yeah, Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame was a guy that I was really looking at. He's a guy that has a lot of impact on tape when you watch him. He doesn't necessarily stack stats, but he changes plays. Um, for instance, a guy like, uh, and I'm not saying he's Chris Jones, but Chris Jones' game in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs was not a huge stat line game. I think he had you know, one tackle, three pass deflections, which were all huge. He also had a pressure that helped force an interception. So that's a massive game from a defensive lineman. Um, Khalid Kareem is a guy like that that's influencing plays a lot when you watch him on tape, even in, in short bursts, and uh, got really good size. He's 6'4", 265, and a guy I was hoping I was going to get to see live and might slide to the second round because he's not the biggest name, but a guy like that I think is worthy of a second-round investment.
All right, and what about, you know, we, we mentioned interior offensive line. We know the Bears have a current hole at, at right guard and, and no real legitimate guy unless you're, you're thinking Cowher's going to make big steps this year, you know, bars who we haven't really seen yet, to fill that role. Anyone that you would see potentially as a, a day, or I should say a year one starter at guard that the Bears could be looking at in that mid-second round? Definitely a couple of guys that were in Mobile could fill that bill, and it would require a little bit of shuffling. But one of the names that sort of jumped out was Lloyd Cushenberry III from LSU, uh, their center on that national championship team. And he came in and looked every bit like a long-term SEC starter with a lot of experience. He just locked it down. That guy is built. He's incredibly solid. Didn't have a lot of holes in his protection all week and just sort of came in from day one and handled just about everybody. So it would hurt a little shuffling and it would put the Bears in a pretty interesting situation because they'd have three guys on the interior line that were quote-unquote center capable. Uh, so they'd have to decide who they wanted snapping the ball the most. But a guy like Lloyd Cushenberry from talent and centers don't always get drafted in the first round just because of positional value. Um, don't let that Don't let that sway you. He's a very, very good football player. Um, some other guys had some good weeks. Um, his teammate, Damian Lewis, struggled early and came on late. He's a guard, um, also looked pretty good throughout the week. A lot of people were high on John Simpson from Clemson. I uh, didn't see as much from him. I was impressed by Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State. He had a pretty quiet week, but that's often good for an interior offensive lineman. If you're not hearing their name, it means they didn't get burned all that much. And I watched him in one-on-ones, and he looked really solid. He looked like a guy that might be available later on, maybe not in that second round, but could be, uh, again, and you find potential starters at interior offensive line from the third round on down. And I think the Bears are going to do with interior offensive line what you think they're going to do with tight end. I think they're absolutely going to sign a veteran, and I think they're going to draft somebody, maybe not high up, but later on, uh, that can really fill that rotation because, boy, did they feel it this year when Kyle Long was hurt and then left. They just never got right on the offensive line. That means the running game never got going, and we saw the results. All right, well, we addressed a few specific positions, so I'll, I'll open this one up to more general. Are there you know two or three other prospects you saw at literally any other position we ha- haven't discussed that kind of popped off the page for you? Uh. Yeah, there were so many talented wide receivers there that it was hard not to just say, wow, about what Nagy and his staff had assembled. And interestingly, at his opening press conference, Nagy said that the senior bowl treats itself like the sort of 33rd NFL front office, and they do self-scouting. And they looked at last year's game and said, we just didn't bring in enough wide receivers or enough good wide receivers, and we're going to focus on it all year. And you could tell they did. The slate that they brought to Mobile was chock full of talent. The defensive backs struggled all week, and it's not necessarily because they're bad. It's because there was so much talent at the wide receiver position. Guys like Denzel Mims from Baylor had a tremendous week. Um, Colin Johnson, who's 6'5 out of Texas, looked pretty good. Juwan Jennings was there. He's a longtime Penn State guy, transferred to Tennessee. Van Jefferson opened a lot of eyes from Florida. There's so much size in this group. All these guys are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Michael Pittman, Jr. from USC looked every bit like a first-round wide receiver. Uh, K.J. Hill from Ohio State flashed like Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, which is a tiny school. All these guys had great weeks. And 
there were even guys like Brandon Ayuk who were invited from Arizona State, who a lot of people think is a potential first-round pick that didn't even play, and it was still a strong position group. So wide receiver is just incredibly stacked, and the top three or four guys weren't even there. You know, Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs, both from Alabama, um, Kendall Rieger, all, uh, Jalen Rieger from TCU, all those guys weren't even there. And it was still so deep. So wide receiver could be a place where the Bears go for a value pick. And I know a lot of people say, well, they don't need one. They don't have a lot of draft picks. Why would they do that? They could use some deep field speed. And again, they might find that guy in the third if they trade down and get a pick there or the fourth because there's so many players that folks are going to be available. And um, I also was looking at corner. Uh, I think the Bears have a strong need at outside corner. I had a lot of hope for a guy named Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh. I love Dane as a player, but he measured in short uh, and small. So he's going to be a nickel in the league. He's going to be a slot. I still think he's going to be a great player, but the Bears don't need slot. They need that taller outside corner, somebody that's a Prince of Mukamara replacement for either if he leaves this year or probably leaves next year. A couple of guys had good weeks. Uh, I like what Terrell Burgess did out of Utah. I don't think he's a top-round pick. Um, and then Troy Pride uh, Jr. out of Notre Dame had a tremendous week. I thought he was really solid. He's a guy who I'm going back to his tape and, and sort of taking a second look. I thought he was good. At the Senior Bowl, he showed out against some of those wide receivers regularly in practice. So just a name that folks might not have been uh, too familiar with before the Senior Bowl, but they probably should be now. All right. And, you know, EJ, that's some fantastic senior bowl analysis and a lot of prospects that I know I'm jotting down. I'll make sure I'll be hitting some tape and looking at these guys as well and seeing what directions the Bears might be able to go. But I got the obligatory Chicago Bears question for you before I let you go. We know Mitch Trubisky's going to be a quarterback on this roster. Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray will not be or should not be. If EJ Snyder was the GM of the Chicago Bears, what would he do? veteran-wise at the quarterback position along with Trubisky? Oh, it's a great question. Yeah, that is the the candy of the offseason for Bears fans, isn't it? Um, There's a lot of options. It would depend on money. I don't – I can't remember a free agency class that has as much potential firepower at quarterback as this one does in a long time. Can you? No, no, never this many names. Yeah, and some huge ones, right? There's the potential that Tom Brady could be floating out there. It's you know that's not necessarily reality. If that guy comes loose, you know, do you owe your due diligence to do a kind of Elway type deal for a year or two? You know, if Brady comes in and he's not falling apart, and by all accounts he's kept himself together quite well physically, if he's willing to come in for a year or two, you know, do you think the Bears win a Super Bowl with their defense and Tom Brady distributing the ball? I would say, based on history, that's a pretty good bet. Um, I'm not saying that's the way they should go, but just the idea that that's even possible to consider this year is something else. If I had my way, uh, if New Orleans is going to be serious about um, not retaining Teddy because Drew wants to play another year or two and he doesn't want to wait, um, and and they're serious and they're going to let Bridgewater you know, out of the barn, uh, I – I would take a big run at him if I was Ryan Pace. I would. You can always move money around as a general manager. You can't always generate draft picks, but you can always find money, especially in the short term. And I, I think I would make that happen because a guy like Rivers is really tempting, but I think Rivers 
ship has sailed. I think he's done. He's played a lot of football. Does he have maybe one more good year of him being a gunslinger? Maybe, but I wouldn't bet on it. I, if we're going to, you know, be solid about it and throw some real money at it, I would say Teddy Bridgewater. And if of the current free agents, and obviously a guy like Andy Dalton could could shake loose and, and some other mm-hmm. guys as well, Cam Newton, depending on what happens there. Of, of all the current free agents, I agree with you, Teddy would be the, the way to go. The guy I would want that I think is the safest pick, but – if the Bears did this, obviously, they would be saying Trubisky is, is not our long-term quarterback, and it looks like the front office may be starting to nuke their relationship with him, is Derek Carr of the Raiders, because you know apparently Gruden and Mayock are already floating that they want Tom Brady. You know, I've heard plenty of things that Gruden's not a Carr guy anyway. I understand he's got issues. I understand he gets rid of the ball too quickly. He's got happy feet in the pocket. I understand all the things that come with Derek Carr, but I've also seen a guy that can throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns and could could distribute the ball in a naggy offense with the talent they have on offense, with the defense they have. Derek Carr is the guy I would want. Interesting. Well, you and I can talk about that at length at another time. But. <laughs> You're not a Carr guy, I could tell. I, he's not on top of my list. He's he's got a lot of good qualities, like you said, but I I don't think I would push for him. And there's probably, you know, if it comes down to a guy like Carr or Dalton, especially with who the Bears just hired as their offensive coordinator, um, you know, uh, that relationship with Bill Lazor is there. Or, is it Lazor or Lazor? I think it's Lazor. Okay, I'll, I'll just go with laser because it, it makes better jokes later in the season. But, um, you know, that, people will want to draw strings like that. It'll be a fascinating scenario to watch play out over the next weeks and months. Yeah, and, and I have said on Twitter multiple times that, you know, the, the prediction I have for who will be along with Trubisky in camp is Andy Dalton. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think I have a problem with that. I know a lot of people will scream that Dalton's not amazing, but – we know that the Bears are basically looking at a bridge option this year. They're not uh, pushing up into the first round to draft a quarterback, nor should they. Um, and I doubt they're going to throw, you know, huge wads of cash at somebody like Tom Brady or even Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't see that as a likely outcome. Um, Dalton makes a ton of sense if he's willing to take a, a reasonable contract and be a distributor for a year or two. All right. Well, there he is at the Draftsman FB on Twitter. Go follow EJ now. Clearly, if you didn't figure out that you should be following him in the last 30 minutes, then you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. EJ, thanks so much much for jumping on, and we'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. It's always a blast. Have a great day. All right. There he is, EJ Snyder of Windy City Gridiron, the draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. Does a great job down in Mobile, and look, he gave you a great feel there for the, some potential guys there that the Bears could be looking at in the second round. You know, I, I, I was a big Anthony Gordon guy. He kind of, you know, poured some water on my Anthony Gordon love. But that, that's all right. That's why you have EJ. It's to ground you from from some of these prospects that, you know, next thing you know, you, you, you got dreamy eyes for Anthony Gordon. And you think he's going to be, you know, the next great thing. And he's drafted in the fifth round and you're sitting there creating unrealistic expectations. But this, look, this is an important off season for the bears. You know, they, they had the, 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 the great 12 and four run came back to earth a little bit last year. And when they came back to earth, you realize that they had some depth issues, some position issues that needed to be uh, needed to be addressed and they will be in the draft and in free agency. So th- this draft's going to be a lot of fun, but the bears roster is going to look significantly different prior to this draft. We should have a better idea of some directions. The bears could be going with those second round picks. Like you s- heard EJ say, they definitely could take one of those second round picks trade back later into the second round, into the third round, pick up another third or a fourth along the way. There's some maneuvering that the 
Bears could do in the draft. So it'll be curious to see if they do that or if they want to try and maximize those second round picks and get the two best quality players they can get and try and get some day day one starters so that's going to do it for bears banter we will be back i don't know when but we will be back soon enough when there is some bears news to discuss and i have a feeling there's going to be some some contract maneuvering and things coming up here this month prior to free agency so it'll be curious to see how much money ryan pace can create because he does need to spend a little bit here this off season so we will talk to you again soon bear down everybody Adios.